It is Encounter with God section here on Faith FM Bible Study Time. Coming up, mm. coming up, and we've had this one on the schedule for a little while, for question of the day. You're going to need to stay tuned for this one. Oh, yes. Okay, so this one came in, but it has been on the schedule, been waiting to get there. Uh, so this is a passage from, uh, where are we, 1 Kings chapter 22. Uh, and the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall or be killed at Ramoth Gilead? And one said on this manner, another said on that manner. Then there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said to him, How? And he said, I will go and be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And he said, You shall persuade him and prevail. Go forth and do so. What's going on here? Why does God tell this? Why does God tell an angel to go and lie to Ahab? It's such a good question. When uh-huh. we talk about God, who cannot way, lie, yeah. the Bible says, you know, in uh, Titus chapter one and verse two, um, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, mm. promised long ages ago. So okay. why does he tell? Why does he tell an angel to go and lie? The more I think about it, the more my brain is like, I don't understand. Okay, so that's question of the day. You're going to have to stay tuned for that one. Between now and then, if you've got some thoughts on this, we would love to hear your thoughts. Mm. Uh, Make a contribution on this important question of the day. Okay. Oh, so many things to get through because we have an awesome Bible study. Uh, Where have we got here? Okay, so Mm creation.com, this weekend only. Yes. From Friday afternoon until Monday morning. You can watch the brand new documentary movie called Dismantling Darwin's Theory. This is brand new. It is cutting edge material. It has uh, it features top scientists from around the world, um, and it will be entirely free. You just go to creation.com. There's a banner right there, Dismantling Darwin's Theory. Click on the banner, and away you go. It's free from Friday to Monday. After that, you can buy it. But for that period, it's free. Mate, it's, if it's free, get on it. Like <laughs> I'm totally getting on it. There's my Saturday afternoon right there. Yeah. Or Friday evening. I haven't decided which one yet. It'll be the Friday evening or Saturday afternoon. I am so watching this. Mm. It is going to be just phenomenal and amazing. Yeah, I reckon. As I, as I was listening to the interview we just did before, I was just like, oh, this is just – let me tell you. Let me, it does sound very interesting. So I might go check that out also. Okay, another big announcement is coming up in – Ooh, two and a half, three weeks' time. Three weeks from yesterday. What happens? The N.Digital is back. Hey! But the N.Digital is back with a new theme. The US? Yes. You told America, us about this on the radio. America and the end. <laughs> America and the end. Yes. So make sure that will be available on uh, the N.Digital, obviously, also on Facebook and YouTube. So make sure that you uh, mark that in your calendar. Have to over there. Three weeks? Yep. It'll be on in three weeks. And this is the format. Half-hour presentation on the United States, everything that's happening in America, how it fits in with Bible prophecy. Mm. Uh, particularly, you know, we'll be in the in the week that is the lead-up to the elections in the United States. So we're going to be able to Makes discuss that. So half-hour presentation followed by a half-hour live question and answer period. Awesome. Two Americans, two Australians. Mm-hmm. So you can get the American perspective, get the Australian perspective. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be uh, uh, the Americans will be Matt Parra and Justin Tarosian. Mm-hmm. The Australians will be Sharissa Tarosian and myself. Brilliant. So something to uh, look forward to and to plan for. Now, obviously, you can, um, you know, because it's going to be available on YouTube and Facebook and so forth, you'll be able to do some catch up. However, 
What you won't be able to do is participate in the live questions Q and A unless you watch it live. Mm. All right, that's some incentive. So that's the one. The uh, advertising will be going out soon, and uh, make sure you jump on there to see exactly what is taking place in the world in relationship to Bible prophecy. Lots of information that is uh, coming out at the moment. Because you're part of it, we, it's kind of nice. We get a big old heads up. Like it's not even a, you're like advertising will come out soon. And you're like, no, no, get it here first. That's it. We'll be available on uh, Faith FM at some stage as well, and I believe also on 3ABN television and radio. Awesome. So it's going to be uh, widely available. Yeah. Yes. All right. So Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. Let's go to our Bible study and mini, if you can read for us Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Look, I reckon I could. Ephesians 6 and verse 4. Okie dokie. So fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Yes. Interesting. Somebody's texted in with some with a clarification. Yes. All right. Uh, let me just uh, pull it up here. If I understand the question correctly, God did not lie. Yes. But the but told the angel to let the person believe the lie. Interesting observation. Whoa. Well, okay. So a lie had been said and the angel wasn't correcting that. Is that what that means? Well, it's, it's, okay, so this is an interesting one. <laughs> yes. Because God didn't actually tell a lie. No. The angel comes to God and the angel says, I'll go and tell a lie. And God's like, fine. <laughs> But why is that okay? <laughs> like, because obviously if this is God allowing uh-huh. a holy being, like an angel, like a, a sinless, sorry, a sinless being to do this. Yeah, so, 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 like, so, 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 okay, um, so the question is, does it, get the, does it get God off the hook if uh, God told the angel to let the person believe the lie? What's the reason for that? Yeah, it's it's such an interesting question. This is such an interesting question. There's so many rabbit holes you can go down in it too. There is. Like I could go this, I could go And then my brain is like. You're going to have to come back for question of the day. We're going to discuss it in depth. Um, This is a really good observation that's come through. Mm. Uh, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. So this is uh, a text. Just shoot us a text message or give us a call. 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491. 064-669. Zero six four six six nine. So that is one eight hundred three two four eight four three. That's one eight hundred Faith FM. Yeah, we don't say that. We should say that. We should. <laughs> we should. Anyway, so yes, um, that's a great question. I'm looking. Let us know to what your thoughts are. Mm. Let us know what your thoughts are. We'd like to hear from you, Absolutely. and uh, we'll we'll get a whole bunch of different thoughts. We had some thoughts last time we posed this question, but uh, we've had to. You know, okay. People send their questions in. We put them on the list. We get there eventually. Yes. Um, I think we might be getting towards the end of our current list, so right now would be a good time to send in questions of the day as well. Okay, the Bible says, Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This is a really, really good verse for parenting. Okay, so does that mean that we should not discipline our children because if we discipline our children, they will get angry with us? Well, no, because it still says to have discipline there. It, like it says, well, mine says bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. I see. My, my, my translation has nothing about discipline. Hey, what does yours say? Read it again. Mine says, and you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. This will be like the second time in my life I've liked your translation better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> and it was only a few weeks ago that you I know. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Maybe it's rubbing off on me. Maybe I, maybe I need to I need to protect myself. Uh, anyway, we'll come back to talk about that. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so how do you discipline children without provoking them to wrath? Look. School teacher, Minnie. Well, wait, but that's a bit Mrs. different. Miss, Miss Freinfelder. I do not know. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> no, um, but teaching is a bit different because you're really not allowed to do a lot of discipline. Like there's, it's more kind of management. Yes. By the way, for those of you who are wondering, we're in Ephesians chapter 6 and yes. verse 4. Yes, we are. Somebody was just asking what verse we were in. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yes, I, Ephesians yeah. 6, 4. Yeah. Ephesians 6, 4. Go ahead. Um, so you are not allowed. Yeah. yeah, I don't know that you are allowed. Like, as in, you're very restricted. You're very restricted, which isn't that was not the case when I was in school. <laughs> did you? How much trouble did you get in? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> None. Ah, I was a model student. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah. Now we used to get the cane and the ruler, and we had one teacher who we had one. Rare, I was, you know. Yeah, you always have that particular class. I was a part of that particular class and we had one teacher who used to patrol the classroom with a cricket bat in one hand and a piece of three-out dowel in the other. Oh. Three-out dowel was in his uh, left hand because he was right-handed. Uh-huh. And it was whichever one you cop first. <laughs> whichever one was. And he used to throw chalk and he had a <laughs> mean throw. He, he usually missed. But when he got you? And when it hit the bricks on the side of the school, it would vaporise. <laughs> It was actually one of their favourite teachers. So what? Okay, actually, I'm going to side note. What made him to you such a good teacher? If he also was, he had this strictness, right? Yeah, the sound of it. That's a really good. But point, he clearly isn't had it? something that it didn't make you hate him. Because I, I think we could apply that potentially to what this is saying. Hmm. I'd have to think about that. Oh, okay. I'd have to think about that because when I look, when I think back at my high school years, you know, because he used to. He, he was just—he was the man. <laughs> you know, he was just—he was just the man. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, he was—he was the dude. How old were you, sir, at the time when you had him as a teacher? Uh, that'd be—I would have been fifteen. Okay. Oh. Fourteen and fifteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourteen and fifteen, and we did have a lot of respect for him. Mm. Um, he usually did miss when he threw the chalk or the uh, or the or the duster, um, the chalkboard duster, um, which was kind of good. Seems ideal. Uh, we definitely knew where our boundaries were. Mm. Um, we were a rowdy bunch, and he would allow a certain level of larrikinism mm. because he was a larrikin himself. Mm. Maybe that's what we loved about him. Um, and so he kind of got it when we were larrikins, but not to a point of ridiculousness. Yeah, yep, yep. And so. He just struck a really good balance mm. within the classroom. Yeah, that's really Interesting. cool. Yeah, I um I was listening to someone's story um a little while ago. It was actually it's quite a hectic story. It was just you know this random guy I don't know him at all, but he wrote a book and I was listening to it, and he was saying he had endured quite severe um violence at the hand of his father growing up, um and he was a you know they got he was very charismatic to everyone who knew him 
um, they kind of people in the community kind of knew that he uh, that his father beat his mum and his kids up, but he was so charismatic, kind of well loved in the community. Had a business, you know, in I don't know, I guess the seventies or sixties in the US, whatever time period. Um, so could appear very loving, very friendly, but could also have this very dark side. And this, yes. this sorry, this boy, um, well, the guy whose story it was was saying, as you know, as a boy, he learnt that just because someone has a smile doesn't mean they can't have an evil side. Mm-hmm. And he said, I think, I think it was his third grade teacher. He went to a um, Catholic school, and there was this very stern, very strict nun um, who was very grumpy. And he said, and what she taught me was just because you never wear a smile out of your face doesn't mean you can't be full of love and good because he said that she expected very highly of him and he couldn't do the work. Like he simply couldn't do it. He um, had had so much mistreatment from growing up with his dad. You know, his mum and he had escaped, which is why they weren't there. But And I just was listening to that and I was like, that's really interesting. Um, you can – and it just kind of reminds me of what you're saying with your, your teacher is that strictness doesn't mean unloving. This is the key difference right here. Mm. Discipline, the difference between a discipline and abuse mm. comes down to what's in your heart. Fully. Now, of course, another person can't read that, which is why uh, the government will throw you in jail if you smack your kids, smack your kids. Mm. Uh, which is a tragedy because um, good discipline is what our country actually needs. Mm. And there's a very, very... Um, solid b- biblical precedent for that. So if you go to, um, so say for instance, <clears throat> I'm going to go through a through through a section here. Mm-hmm. Go to Genesis, the first three chapters of Genesis, I'm right? Going right now, or you're just talking? I'm going to paraphrase it. Okay, cool, cool. I'm going to paraphrase it. We all know the story of the first three chapters of Genesis. Yes. God comes to Adam and Eve and says, "Don't eat of this tree, or there will be consequences." They go and eat of the tree. God doesn't go ah. Stay away from the tree. I told you not to do that. He doesn't give them second, third, fourth chances. Mm. When uh, when the eat of the tree doesn't count. One, yeah. two. I said no. <laughs> three. I really said no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four. You know, I. I mean it now. Yeah. No. Mm. It's just the eight of the tree. The tree. The consequences came. Yeah. And what we often do is we teach our children to disobey. And. Mm that can have lethal consequences. Yeah. You know, this whole thing of counting, what you're doing is you're teaching your children to get run over by a truck. Hmm. You know, if, you're, if your kid's about to run out on the road and you say don't. And they go, I'll do what I want. And they go, I'll do what I want. Mm. Uh, and you count, one, don't run in front of that truck, two, well, they're dead. Mm-mm. It's interesting that children are insecure when there are no clear boundaries, incredibly insecure, incredibly unhappy, and this is why children act up. Mm. It's a little bit like this. Uh, Many years ago they did an experiment in the United States where they um, took down all the fences on a school. Oh, yeah. Just got rid of all the fences around the school. The kids were miserable. They um, Disciplinary issues went through, skyrocketed through the roof. Uh, The kids... Didn't play out in the yard. They didn't, uh, you know, they hung around the buildings. Um, their grades plummeted. You know, it was a total disaster because they didn't know where the boundaries were. They didn't know where the edges were. What? And a child. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, what was the setup of the school? Like, was it, I'm assuming, some sort of city, not just farmland? Yeah, it was nearby? a suburban school. Okay, you would never okay. get away with that these days. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and they did have adults, you know, posted around that just sort of plain clothes adults to keep an eye on things. Yeah. But, um, 
that was the result. Hmm. And so kids need very, very clear boundaries. A child is like, you ever played blind men? Yeah. You can put a mask on your face, you're in a room and you have to tag everybody. Yeah. And when they're tagged, you're out, okay? Yeah. It's really, really insecure, right? You feel insecure when that mask goes on. And what you'll often do is you'll, you'll walk around and find out where your four walls are and where some of the major pieces of furniture are that you're going to trip over and hurt yourself on. So you get a bit of an orientation before you actually go start, you know, trying to tag yeah, people. Yeah. And kids are like that every day of their lives. Mm. And so uh, they will always reach out to find where the boundaries are. And when you set very clear boundaries, and the boundary is always in the same place, because that's what God did in the Garden of Eden. He set a clear boundary. The boundary never moved. Mm. And when he said, this is what the consequences will be, that's what the consequences were. And so uh, as a result of that, um, you know, when you you imagine playing blind man, and, and every time you reach out to touch the the wall to find where the walls are. It's not there. The wall moves. Mm. Imagine how you're gonna. Imagine how insecure you'll feel if you reach out. You feel it. Oh, there is. There it is. And then it suddenly moves. Mm. You know that would mess with your head. And that's what we do do to our children when we say here is a boundary. They're obviously going to test it. Yeah. Because they'll feel insecure until they have. So they're going to reach out and they're going to touch that boundary to see what happens. And if we don't act on what we say and the boundary actually moves, they're going to become incredibly insecure children. Anyway, makes sense. More about this straight after Sanctus Real. I look around and see my wonderful life, almost perfect from the outside. In picture frames, I see my beautiful wife, always smiling. But on the inside, oh, I can hear her saying, Lead me with strong hands, stand up when I can't. Don't leave me hungry for love, chasing dreams. But what about us? Show 
That was Sanctus Real with Lead Me. You had an experience with uh, this particular band one time, Minnie? Yeah, I was just saying, so there used to be this, um, I guess, music festival sort of thing, a Christian thing, uh, Easter Long Weekend in Toowoomba. It's closed now. And I was there, mate, oh, look, I might have been about 14. And the lead singer, I don't know his name, but he was sharing the story behind this song, which was basically his wife had come to him at some point in time when essentially said, hey, like, you're not being the spiritual leader in our household. Like, I just need you to kind of step up to the plate a bit. And rather than getting angry or, you know, just taking it to heart and, you know, having a bit of a sulk, he was like, oh, you know, okay, I need to, yeah, I need God. I need you to kind of lead me so that I can lead my family. Um, Anyway, so I just thought it was very cool. As a 14-year-old, I was like, well, well done you. I respect that. Um, yeah, so well done him, I think. We need good spiritual leadership, right? And that's what Absolutely. I think we're also talking that's about. That's exactly in our, what we're talking about exactly. right now. So that, that, that song goes along perfectly with uh, our theme right now. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 and verse 15 that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, <laughs> but the rod of correction shall drive it from him. When you think about this passage right here, it's exactly how it should be. Mm. We don't expect our children to know everything. Yeah. By nature, they are children. We are their educators. Mm. And so foolishness lives in the heart of a child. That's because they're a child. (laughs) They don't know everything yet and we can't expect them to know everything yet. Mm. And uh, the problem that we have is that too many of our households are run by the children rather than by the parents. And so if you don't set boundaries and if you don't have consequences – Mm. when those boundaries are crossed, then your house becomes foolish. Yeah. The whole household becomes foolishness because now the children are running the house rather than the parents and children freak out of their minds when they're running the house because they're not qualified to do it. Yeah, they're not You know what it's like when you uh, are given a job to do that you're not qualified for? Yeah. It's totally, so overwhelming. totally overwhelming, <laughs> and, and, and children are mm. overwhelmed. They, that, but they don't know what's going on, mm. and this is why they're ratty and they're miserable and they can't study and they're ADD and everything else that is happening is because there is no boundaries. And I think that or there is movable boundaries. Yes, or there is negotiable boundaries. You know how I said earlier. I think we were talking. What you're mentioning something about oh, one of your stories, and I was just saying that. Um, we like to say, oh, we want to have freedom, but actually too much freedom creates a lot of long-term damage. Yes. Because, man, I've seen some kids that – and look, you know, parents are human and I imagine it's a very difficult job to be a parent, like I'm not at all knocking anyone. But I've seen some kids that I'm like, you're going to grow up to be a monster. Like Being just, a parent whew. is the most rewarding thing that you can possibly ever do. And the hardest. Uh, and one of the most challenging as well. <laughs> yeah, see, I have no desire. <laughs> no, no, no. The rewards, the, the rewards are totally worth it. Uh, but you know, okay. Now think about this. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. God said, "If you do this, there will be consequences." Mm. What did Satan say? Nah. If you do this, there will be no consequences. Yeah. Okay. So when you set a boundary and then you don't follow through with consequences. Who are you? In whose image are you raising your children to be in? Oh, from what you've just said, not God. That's right. Mm. If you are not setting boundaries in your home, mm. and then you are not standing by those boundaries, and you are refusing to discipline and have consequences, if you're not having consequences for the boundaries that you set in your home, you are raising your children to be children of Satan. 
You are raising them based off the principles of Satan. Because he is the one who said, there's no consequence for your actions. And I think it also, I mean, I think that alone does a lot of damage. But I think it also teaches a kid themselves um, that their boundaries don't have to be so strong, if that makes sense. Like I heard something probably last year that they said a lack of uh, a lack of boundary invites a lack of respect, Absolutely. and not just for others. It's not just I don't respect you, but it's also can I respect myself enough that when you're pushing at things that aren't appropriate, can I also go? Oh, hold on, this also isn't good. Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Like yes. it's not even just you'll be a monster, but what do you allow that actually enables other people to? behave inappropriately which kind of maybe doesn't but in my head it links back to what we were talking yesterday about how we don't really call sin sins because like oh well maybe it isn't so bad maybe the consequences aren't so terrible whereas what we were reading yesterday was going hey there is gonna be a consequence like let me love you enough to make you understand that this is serious now and i am yeah yeah absolutely i I just think it's important here's and here's here's a point that i want to get to in this bible study the bible says foolishness is is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction shall drive it from him. And I really want to spend a little bit of time talking about the difference between discipline and abuse. Mm, mm. And it really does come down to what's in your heart. And I've seen this, I've experienced it myself uh, probably too many times. And that is, you know, when we were when we were raising our children, when they were small, uh, we'd smack them on the bottom mm. um, when they did, did the wrong thing. But we didn't just lash out, mm. whack, for doing the wrong thing. When our kids did the wrong thing, we would take them aside, we would sit them on our lap, we would tell them we loved them, we would tell them what they'd done wrong, we would explain it to them, they would you know, understand it, we would have prayer with them, we'd smack them on the bottom, they would cry, and then we'd hold them close you know, while they cried. And that kind of discipline is just unbelievably powerful. Until you've actually seen it in practice, you have no idea how powerful it is. Because you think about it. You get a pet dog. It's not hard to train your pet dog to you know, to sit and to lie down, to roll over, to play dead, whatever. It's not hard. But we don't seem to be able to train our children to do anything, <laughs> right? And children are so much more intelligent than our pet dog. Mm. infinitely more intelligent. And when you use good, solid discipline in a good way, then... It, it, it just works amazingly. Now, flip that, equa- that equation around. You set a boundary, they push because they need to feel where the, where the you know, they're going to test that boundary because they need to have security. Yes. That's why they test it. And so then rather than disciplining like God did, rather than there being consequences the moment that they cross that boundary, like God did, mm. we do like Satan did, and like, oh, yeah, there's no consequences. But what happens is that we nag our children rather than disciplining them. And we nag them and we nag them and they get more and more insecure and we get more and more frustrated. And because they are not being obedient, the reason that they are not being obedient is because they are desperate to find that boundary. They are desperate to find that wall. Mm. And so we nag them until we then lose our temper and lash out. Yeah. And when you lash out, then you're coming back to the passage that we began with, which talks about do not drive your children to wrath. So then they get angry and your discipline amounts to absolutely nothing. And I would, look, I've not been a parent, so again, I'm not going to pretend, but I I was definitely the kid that didn't respond. Like I just didn't learn from getting smacked. I was just like, that didn't hurt. <laughs> My poor parents, honestly. But I've seen some parents do really well where they haven't actually done that. But what you said, the consequences 
they're there. Yeah, so that's right. Do you know I what mean, I mean? Like, smacking is just one example no, and I'm of not, consequences. I, I'm actually not against it because I've also seen some parents that I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty effective. But it's about going, this is what we're doing. It is because we love you. Can you trust us? Hey, you've done this thing. There are consequences. But I'll tell you this right now. When it comes to discipline, if there is the slightest amount of frustration mm. in you as a parent, mm. you are being undisciplined mm-hmm. and you are modelling how to lose your temper. Ooh. You are modelling how to be undisciplined. You are teaching your children how to be badly behaved because you're being badly behaved. The slightest bit of frustration in you and your discipline will have zero effect. It will it will make your child worse, Right. And the other thing that so, – so you as a parent, you have to stop, get yourself under control, and once you're under control, then you can discipline and we, then it will work. We teach who we are, hey. That's Not exactly just what we right. Know. That's mm. exactly right. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Now you've been waiting for it all day long. It is time for Question of the Day. Okay, Minnie. What's our question? Okay, okay. So this is well. Wait, what is the? It's basically we read a passage before. If you yes. were listening, um, what is the question? Okay. Why does God allow His angel to lie? Yes, or have the people? Okay, the Lord to said, lie? "Who shall persuade Ahab?" So this is a scene in heaven. So mm-hmm. Micaiah the prophet is seeing a scene in heaven. He's yes. seeing what's actually taking place in heaven. Uh, the Lord said, "Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up?" And fall and be killed at Ramoth Gilead. And one said on this way, another said that way. And there came forth the Spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said to him, How? And he said, I will go and be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And he said, You shall persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. Okay. And then uh, Micaiah goes on to say uh, in verse 23, Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets, and the Lord has spoken evil concerning you. Okay, so you've got a uh, bit of a background situation here. Ahab and Jehoshaphat have formed an alliance to fight against the Syrians. And Ahab has turned up with like 400 prophets of Baal who've said, look, you're going to be victorious. And Jehoshaphat's super sus of these prophets of Baal and is like, eh, don't you have a prophet of God anywhere? And he's like, yeah, this is a guy Micaiah, but I hate him because he always says bad things about me. <laughs> well, you're Ahab. Of course he's going to say bad things about you because you're a bad dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the background of what's going on here. And so Micaiah comes and, and, and Jehoshaphat, you know, and I had there ask him, okay, what's what? What have you got to say from God? And he's like, well, actually, I did see a vision of the throne room of heaven, and this is what I saw taking place. The question is, why does God allow this lie to happen? Okay, so there's a couple of observations that we need to make as we work our way through it. First of all, God's asking questions here that He does not need the answers to because He already knows the answers to them. Mm. Okay, so this is here for a purpose. Um, he's asking these questions for a purpose. There is a message. When God asks questions that he knows answers to already, there is a message that he wants to communicate. We need to find out what that message is. The second thing is that the Bible does not say, and this is what you've got to look for, is what the Bible often does not say. The Bible does not say this is a holy angel. Everyone just assumes that. Yes. The Bible says a spirit that actually implies an evil spirit. And we know from Job chapter 1 that before the cross, Satan and his angels had a certain level of access to heaven on occasions. Mm. And so what you've got here, because 
God does not lie. God cannot lie. His angels do not lie. They will not lie. And so what you've got here is a situation where uh, the the this is an evil spirit because the, this is a spirit that will actually lie. Yes. So an evil spirit turns up, you know, because God asked this question. It's a rhetorical question. He knows the he knows the future, but. Uh, and, you know, and some people, and, and there's, there's, there's different angels discussing it backwards and forwards, and an evil spirit turns up and says, it's easy, I'll go and lie to him. Okay, yeah. So, okay, so God says, mm-hmm. all right, go forth and do so. So is it different then to uh, evil spirits being allowed to lie as opposed to in the commandments it says you shall not lie to your neighbour. Absolutely, because an evil spirit will lie simply by being allowed to live. By the simple Ooh. fact that the evil spirit has life that God has allowed, it's the nature of that evil spirit to lie. Okay. All right. So the evil spirit is going to lie, Just that's what they do. Yeah. And so what God is doing here is allowing the, the evil spirit to do what the evil spirit does, does on naturally. a daily basis. Mm. He's like, okay, I'm not going to stand in the way. You go and do that because that's who you are and that's what you will do, all right? Now, what's interesting in this whole story is that God, who knows the future, is not leaving Ahab without a warning. He's like, okay, go and lie to Ahab. But guess what? I'm going to go and warn him. <laughs> right? What, that he'll be lied to? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because God knows the future. He knows that Micaiah is going to turn up. And so he goes to Micaiah and he's like, okay, Micaiah, watch this. Um. Here is a vision of what is happening in heaven, or here's a view of what's happening in heaven. Mm-hmm. So Micaiah now has the information on earth. So God is not just saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this evil spirit go and lie to him, and I'm not going to give him the truth. Mm-hmm. Not at all, not even remotely. God is very, very clearly and very, very actively and intentionally appealing to Ahab by giving an Ahab a behind-the-scenes view of what's taken place in heaven. So it's really your choice if you're going to be deceived or not. In that absolutely, mm. absolutely. And you can't get a clearer warning from God than this one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Ahab can't have it spelled out um, any more uh, success. So God allows the evil spirit to do what the evil spirit does, but he also warns. Um, now, the next thing is, well, you know, why would the evil spirit say, yeah, go up there and... Um, you know, fight when the evil spirit knows that Ahab's going to be killed. Yeah, that's Satan's purpose for every one of yeah, his followers. Mm. He wants to kill his followers. That's the whole point. That's why he exists. That's what he does. So what you've got here is a powerful appeal to Ahab and Jehoshaphat by God, mm. because he's showing them behind the scenes, like guys, you're being deceived, right? And you're being deceived by this evil spirit. And he was in heaven, and I saw him, and I'm warning you about it. That's what God is doing. Okay, it's also a so this is a powerful demonstration of God's power to know the future. It's a powerful demonstration of God's desire to save mm. even Ahab. It's a powerful demonstration of God's interest in warning us of what the devil is up to. And by telling the story, God is exposing the lie and revealing the truth. Mm. So that's what God is all about. God is all about that he's not going to step in and he's not going to bring an end to sin and to evil angels at this point. That time will come in the future. But while he allows sin to continue, he also gives warnings. Mm. That's the message that we gain from this particular passage right here. We're going to move on with uh, Anthem Lights with a little bit of a longer uh, 
question of the day right there. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.